2: Guys, finding a nice suit for a good price is tough. That's why I roll with Indochino. Great custom suits that are affordable. Indochino's the world's largest made-to-measure men's warehouse. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customization, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. The Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. This is an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. This episode is brought to you by Roman. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing?
1: Nets losses make me unhappy.
2: Yeah, especially to the Hornets. N- took an L tonight, 113-108 at Barclays Center to a bad team. But before we get started, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, bluewirepod.com. Also, make sure you head to Design Tree slash off the glass. Grab yourself a new OTG hoodie with OTG NBA 5. It'll save you five bucks. But Jack, where do you want to start with this disappointing, frustrating, annoying loss?
1: I guess the the best place to start is, Nick, what went wrong? You know, a 20-point lead in the second quarter, still a 17-point lead midway through the third. How did the Hornets get back into this? How did the Nets let them back into this?
2: You know, I kind of mentioned to you before we got started, it almost is like the Nets locked into that 20-point lead. They weren't playing extremely well. They were just playing the Hornets, who aren't a very good team, and they're, they were depleted tonight. I think Nicholas Batum wasn't playing, um malik monk wasn't playing a uh, marvin williams wasn't playing so they're missing some of their vets and they played last night so you're going to this game you're thinking hey this could be an easy w or a possible blowout let's see what happens the nets get that 20 point lead and they were just kind of strolling they weren't playing hard they weren't playing super effective like i mentioned the hornets were just kind of making mistakes and not capitalizing some of the missed opportunities the nets gave them and then next thing you know nets are up 20 but then Charlotte kind of turned it up and you could feel it in the third quarter. They started to catch some rhythm and the Nets continued to play offense, but they didn't put that high intensity in defensively. And then by the time Charlotte put in that defense, the Nets were out of the game because Charlotte was playing at a high level and Brooklyn was just kind of strolling around, coasting through the game. And then when they tried to turn up in the fourth, it was too late because the Hornets got hot.
1: To get outscored 60 to 44 in the second half and to only score 22 points in the last two periods. I'm not... Not to take anything away from the Charlotte Hornets and especially Devontae Graham, who is a real player on the rise, but it's not good enough because this Charlotte Hornets team is by no means a world beater defensively. You know, we were able to get some offensive looks against one of the best defensive teams in the league in the Denver Nuggets, you know, uh, and it's just, I think it's just frustrating as a fan more than anything, Nick. What went wrong with the offense?
2: You know, the Nets kind of got a little bit lazy and they didn't drive to the rim. And they were killing it in the first half. You know, they were just dominating inside, continuing getting points. You know, some of it was Charlotte switched to zone. The Nets kind of elected to take more threes instead of making a couple extra passes or drives. And they were just settling, and they weren't hitting their shots. They shot 26% from three tonight, and that's just not going to do it. You know, Torrey and Prince Joe Harris both had bad games. And I think at the point where the Nets are at, having to depend on those guys, if they have a bad game offensively, you're going to have to play well defensively because they're two of your main contributors offensively on a nightly basis without Karras and Kyrie.
1: Yeah, both of those guys, two of 13 from three. Spencer Dimity, two of nine from there. So the three-point ball wasn't falling. Was that due to the Charlotte Hornets' offense, Nick, or were they open looks and the Nets weren't hitting them?
2: Yeah, there were a lot of open looks. Prince and Harris just had off games tonight. Like... Even having the ball in their hands, Joe had a couple plays you don't typically see from him. You know, a couple turnovers, stepping out of bounds. Torian Prince just never seemed in a rhythm. Even the shots he was taking from three, he didn't look as confident as normal.
1: And yeah, he had a really nice episode uh, appearance on the the Woj Potter. I suggest people check that out. It was a, a really nice listen. Hopefully we, he can jump on the buzz one day. But <laughs> Nick, what about the bench? Uh, I heard, you know, rumblings that uh, maybe we'll get to Coach Kenny a little bit later. But how did the bench perform?
2: You know, I thought the bench played well in the first half. I think they outplayed the starters. And then in the second half, they couldn't generate any offense. And some of them playing well in the first half was Yana Musa and Theo Pinson making shots. And that's not typically something we see on a nightly basis. So maybe that gave them some extra confidence. Defensively, I thought they were fine. But then in the second half, I didn't think the defense and the hustle was great from the bench. And then offensively, the same shots Musa and Pinson were taking the first half, they were missing in the second.
1: Yeah, Pinson probably had one of his better games as of late and was one of the few guys who shot well from 3-2-4 from there, 12 points for him, couple of assists, couple of dimes, and a couple of boards. You know, Jean Musa 11, obviously, uh, the worst in, in that regard for for the team. But, you know, he's still finding his way, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I mean, we might get to Kyrie and Karras soon. But, Nick, was there a time in the, when the, the game was sort of in at least somewhat in the balance where Coach Kenny could have made some better rotation changes?
2: You know, people have talked about that and kind of going back to maybe some of the starters sooner or just going with different lineups. You know, I think some of it is on Coach Kenny. Maybe Jared Allen should have played more in this game because he was dominant, 21 points, 7-9 from the field, 10 rebounds, a couple of nice presents at the rim where he was unable to block the shot, but he was able to contest it and kind of force a miss. You know, maybe you go more with him. Maybe you play Spencer Dinwiddie a couple more minutes or, you know, Joe Harris, but he wasn't really having a good game. I think overall, you know, some is going to go on Kenny for not adjusting to Devonte Graham and kind of forcing the ball out of his hands. But I think it's like a half and half thing where the players just didn't play hard enough to win the game. And they're not talented enough without Kyrie and Karis where they can get away with it, even against the Hornets. Like, we've talked about this. They have some good players in this team, but they're still missing two of their three, if not their top two players.
1: Yeah, there's a a significant gap between the you know the highest amount of talent on this Brooklyn Nets roster and the lowest, like we've spoken about on plenty of occasions. But if we want to compare some minutes, oh, I guess P.J. Washington 37 minutes, Terry Rozier 35, Devontae Graham 37, Miles Bridges 36, coming off a of back-to-back. Those are young legs. Those are going to be fresh. Toyin Prince led the team with 34. Spencer Dinwiddie 33. Garrett Temple, 32, and like you mentioned, Jared Allen, only 26 minutes. Would you prefer to see, you know, maybe 35 minutes for a Spencer Dimwitty, you know, at, at certain times get brought back in? These old bench units, was there too much of them?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Kenny got some maybe irrational confidence because, like I mentioned, the bench had some success in the first half, but in the second half they did not. And then maybe you bring in Spencer a little bit sooner. You bring in Jared Allen a little bit sooner, especially because, like you mentioned, Charlotte played their guys bigger minutes, and they went to the fact is they were staggering Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, and it was effective for them because they were the two guys who were able to kind of create something, run some offense for them, or make plays. And the Nets, on the other hand, you know, when Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't out there, they weren't really doing a ton offensively with that second unit. This was probably the most stagnant the second unit has looked in probably a week. And considering it was against the Hornets, that's not a good sign.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got coming up against the Raptors and the Sixers. You better get it working quickly, especially with the fact that Kyrie and Karras aren't going to be back anytime soon. Uh, Wilson Chandler will be back for that Sixers game. Nick, the free throws. How significant was going 22 of 33 from the line when the Hornets themselves actually shot quite well from there themselves, 26 of 32 themselves. So they essentially evened it out and you got four extra points for the Charlotte Hornets from the free throw line and you had one less and it's almost like a, a, a game ball there.
2: Yeah, no, it determined the game. And you felt early, like the Nets were missing free throws to start this one. You know, somebody hit a pair, then the next guy would hit one of two or whatever it might be. Next thing you know, you know, they missed 11 free throws on the night in a close game. That's an L. That's what happens. That's why you need to take care of business. And kind of even, I know this is completely off topic, but it's kind of just the in- entire thing for the Nets take care of business you were up 20 you had a chance to push this to 25 and a team like charlotte who played last night they might lose confidence but you allow them to call back in the game and they only had that 20 point lead for felt like 30 seconds and the next thing you know it was 17 it was 13 they weren't able to kind of maintain it for a quarter or a longer stretch because you know when you do that you just kind of take away from the other team especially a young team when they're like all right we're out of this one we're going to kind of give up but charlotte didn't have to give up because the nets allowed them to get back in it
1: yeah i think if you have uh, if you're playing average basketball even against the Charlotte Hornets team you know there's still enough talent there they're well coached I really like what James Borrego does yep. I like their system you know I think he I see a lot of similarities to what in coach Kenny in terms of the the culture that they're sort of building there even you know despite the the lack of real high-end talent you know they do nice things and you know at the end of the day if you have significant lulls be quarter or five minutes or whatever it might be, you let a team back in and, and Devontae Graham, who was an absolute lethal shooter this season, you know, an absolute marksman from the perimeter, you can't do that. And you know, that goes on Coach Kenny, that goes on the players and executing as well.
2: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care from ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you, free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started with Roman is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire, complete an online visit. Rectile dis- dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com BlueWire to get a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com/slash/bluewire.
1: Nick, was it the worst loss of the next season today?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, like Phoenix was a terrible loss because you got blown out from the start, but you really yep. had no chance in that game. I mean, they did make a slight comeback, but it just felt like they weren't going to win this. This was a game you probably need to take care of. You're at home. You're at Barclay Center. Even the loss to Detroit and Memphis, they're both on the road, so you can almost live with it. In front of your home, home crowd, knowing you have those two big matchups coming up with Toronto and Philadelphia, this is one you have to get. And I get it. This season is not that important, you know this isn't the championship season. But you still want to win as many games as possible. You want to have the best possible playoff seating. And I feel like these are the type of games that kind of hold you back in terms of trying to get home court. Uh, I would just use a perfect example of last night. You know, Miami is down to Atlanta the entire game. They find a way to steal it at the end and get a W in a game they should have lost. The Nets probably should have won this game, but they found a way to give it away to Charlotte.
1: Uh, It happens to, it's, it's happened probably a few times this season with the Nets in terms of, significant lapses in a game and you know you can't like going up and against the the Sixers and the Raptors two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and you know main division rivals we are ways behind those teams right now you know the Charlotte Hornets are a team that we are much closer to I guess if we're talking about power rankings and and those sort of things and and quality of the outfit especially with Kyrie and Karras out Nick Nick, there was a, a little bit of news about both of those guys. Any developments with Kyrie and Karras or just the same old no contact work yet?
2: Yeah, I think uh, Brian Lewis used a word to say their thirst is building up to get back on the court, but still no contact stuff for that. But I still have plenty of bad things to say about this game if you want to get back to it.
1: Yeah, give me more, mate. I'm all uh, you need events. So I'm listening. I do.
2: I honestly, this is one where I was angry, like this is one game where I was annoyed game you already beat twice this year. I get it. You played them three times in 20 days. But you had the opportunity to grab the W, and you just didn't play hard enough, and you just weren't locked in and engaged. And I, I think one area that stuck out, rebounding. They were winning the board battle in the first half. I don't know if it was by 10, but it was close to double digits. Next thing you know, Charlotte had 15 offensive boards in the game. Like, what? It doesn't even make sense. Like, they are dominating the boards, and then out of nowhere, they stop rebounding and just allow. Charlotte to have a great opportunity to get back in the game with the boards.
1: Bismarck, Bionbo, four offensive boards, Devontae, Graham you can't give that kid extra looks, Cody Zeller three himself, Mark Gilchrist two extra boards. Was it laziness Nick or yes. was it just was it more extra effort on the Charlotte Hornet side or was it a combination of both? Combination
2: of both. Yeah, they t- shoot a lot of threes so there's going to be long rebounds, we know that. The Nets have the same thing happen to them. They get lucky once in a while, but Charlotte wanted to win more. They were just more engaged and aggressive in that second half, and the Nets weren't. They just like, they were just coasting through the game. You would think the Nets played last night and they were tired in that second half, but no, they were on two days rest. They're going into two days rest. I just cannot explain why they weren't more locked in.
1: In terms of Devonte Graham's late surge, Nick, would you've changed anything if you were Coach Kenny, or is it just you know like a Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard getting hot, shooter's are gonna shoot?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think at that point you. You kind of can live with it, but you let him get so hot throughout the game. Like, this is a guy that was 7-12, I think, from three. You probably want to force the ball out of his hands and make somebody else shoot. Like, if they have one offensive player who's really been cooking— I mentioned Terry Rozier had some good moments this game, but he was only 5-15. of You know, you live with him, he shoots that shot. Or someone who also hasn't had a clutch moment in the NBA yet. You know, Devontae Graham, I know it's only his second year, but he's been the guy in Charlotte this season— I would have looked to force the ball out of his hands. And I think that's something I would have done more in the game. I think the Nets need to be more aggressive in terms of trapping and forcing the ball out of players' hands. The Hornets aren't a great team. They only had eight turnovers, eight turnovers. Like, that's just not playing aggressive enough defense.
1: Yeah, I think that the mental capacity of of this Brooklyn Nets team can can frustrate you at times, and I think I'm hearing it in your voice. Were there any other takeaways <laughs> from players you want? To... <laughs> Anything from uh, specific plays you wanted to mention, Nick? Anything about the coaching, the team overall? Anything you know we could touch on? I guess Wilson Chandler and Kevin Durant as well. There's uh, some mini news around them.
2: Um, I mean, Torian Prince, I was kind of disappointed. He had, you know, a couple of nice games in a row. And I think this game was probably one of his most disappoint- disappointing ones. Definitely the most disappointing one of this stretch. Just like he was not in sync, not in rhythm. And then when he stopped knocking down his three, he was forcing different looks where he just didn't need to. Uh,
1: at the end of the day, you know, maybe it's the... Sometimes you get the, the media bump when you're, yep. you're on a popular platform. And sometimes you get the media backlash in terms of your form. And, you know, at this night... Put it behind him. Torian Prince has uh, had a, a very good season overall. You know, I, I put out the fact that he's, his focus uh, that the team gave him was on rebounding uh, and defense. And I think he's, done re- he's rebounded the ball incredibly well this season. We spoke about that on previous podcasts, previous recaps in, in some of the wins. I think his defense still has a ways to go, but I think he has improved in that area. I think it's naive not to recognize it, but he still needs to get better. To you know, really solidify himself in this Nets rotation. He's obviously going to get those minutes um, because with the injuries that we have right now. But with the Wilson Chandler coming back soon, you know, if you're not playing hard enough defensively, I'm, I can damn sure be damn sure that Wilson Chandler is going to give you that requisite energy. He's going to be juiced, as you'd like to say, and and not juiced because you know he had the drug scandal. I mean, <laughs> juiced in terms of actual energy when it comes back to play the Sixers uh, on Sunday.
2: Yeah, no, you know, he could provide something and at least gives Kenny an option if he wants to bench somebody. Right now, if Kenny wants to bench a player, he really has no choice because if he does, he has to overplay somebody else or just play somebody who's not as talented. And I think that's where, like, getting Kyrie and Karis back just open up opens up so many different things because you can get so much more flexible with the roster instead of having to rely on certain guys and knowing you need their minutes reserved for the fourth quarter because you have no one else to play.
1: Yeah, that's it at the end of the day, but one of the best power forwards in the history of the game, small forwards, whatever you want to call them. Kevin Durant, Mark Stein, and some things to best say about him. Do you want to talk about those a little bit, Nick, before we finish this one? Not really anything new, but always nice to hear some more net news. I guess that is positive in a sense when we're talking about a pretty negative uh, outing for the guys.
2: Yeah, let's finish on a positive note because I don't want to think about this game anymore. And it's great <laughs> because we have two days to think about it because the Nets don't play till Saturday.
1: So uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I was going to do a play right down of maybe a, a guy with a good performance like a Jared Allen or a Spencer Dimity, but I think I might delve deep into a Wilson Chandler, see what he could bring to the team. So I've got a bit of optimism heading into this weekend of basketball. But Mark I had some, some nice things to say about Kevin Durant in terms of he was making comparisons to other guys that have come back from Achilles injuries, obviously, including Demarcus Cousins. A former teammate, Dominic Wilkins was the direct comparison. He was sort of making, and because he came back and was, you know, an all-star and was also, you know, early 30s, Kevin Durant, only 30 himself by the time he gets back will be 31. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Nick, but does this, you know, I guess from coming from a well-credentialed, well-sourced expert analyst, does it give you more confidence going forward? Or is it just, you know, nice to sort of hear some cool news or do you just sort of toss it to the side?
2: Honestly, Jack, it's really the same stuff we said this summer. Like, we said the same exact stuff on the buzz. We had the same comparisons. We talked about the right and left Achilles. I mean, it's nice because it makes you feel more confident about, you know, the thoughts that we had and about the possibility of Durant coming back or other people feeling confident, especially a guy who's followed the NBA as closely as Mark Stein for so long. You know, I think that's a positive. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a lot of data that we've probably already interpreted and discussed on the buzz. And that's why we felt confident about the KD return in general.
1: Still think he's coming back this year, my friend.
2: You know, I honestly don't not think he's coming back this year. I think it's a real possibility. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I,
1: I honestly, I just can't,
2: like, he's Kevin Durant and he just wants to play basketball. If the Nets are in a really bad situation. I think it's less likely, but if for some reason they're playing really good. And like I mentioned, if they're able to get him back before the playoffs and work him in, I don't think they'd want to put him in a scenario where he's coming back in, you know, like a game two or a game three and he hasn't played professional basketball all year long. If he's able to get in by March, I think it's realistic for him to maybe play. And, you know, some people think it's crazy, but if he's recovered, there's only so much that can happen. Nothing is going to change if he's 100% healthy in, you know, March and then if he's 100% healthy in October of the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we've seen already how how conservative – in terms of the the superstars that are now on this roster, how conservative this roster is. I wonder, you know, if, if we were late in the season, if Kyrie Oven would be playing basketball, if Karis Overt would be playing basketball. But, you know, we've reached the four-week mark for Karis Overt. You know, the, uh, Coach Kenny originally said that we're sticking to that four- to six-week timeline. So, obviously, they're more likely to be on the six-week mark. I'm still, I'm always on the, the mark where I'm, I'm a little less, I'm a a bit more cautious, a little less optimistic. I don't think he'll be back. I don't think that there is a reason to have him back, but I do agree with what you're saying. If he is 100% healthy, every single time I saw him at the Nets game, and we've all seen the video of Slam Magazine, they posted on Twitter, of him sort of just like dribbling, the, the faux dribbling, I saw him do that a million times in like half of the timeouts. He was chatting to an assistant coach. He might chat to Kyrie or whatever. And then he just go up and pretend to like shoot around the hoop or whatever. He is, a, a, there is not a player and I've mentioned this before and I'll say it again. There aren't many players who are as obsessed with basketball as him. Probably LeBron James and Chris Paul are some of the only guys that come to the top of my mind. And again, these are all timers. These are guys that want to be out there and showcasing their craft more than anything else. And, I think Kevin Durant's itching, but uh, at the same time, he's in the perfect situation within the perfect organization that's going to take care of himself and and not force anything. Uh, And hopefully we do see him back. And hopefully we see him back at his Kevin Durant level that we know he is. And he's one of the 10, 15 best players of all time.
2: But, yeah, I think every once in a while when you're feeling bad about the Nets, you could just look at the roster page on Nets.com and see Kevin Durant's on there.
1: Oh, man, that's going to be nice. I need to get me them Kyrie and and KD jerseys. And if there is some sort of – if he comes back this year, I'm going to have to fly back to the States. I'm going to have to go see him play, my guy.
2: Yeah, you just better hope it's in New York
1: and not California. (laughs) That's –
2: Yeah, but uh, that's another thing I think people have mentioned on Twitter. If he does come back in a game, I expect to be against, like, a bad team at home.
1: Yeah, yeah, you'd expect it more than likely.
2: All right, Jack, I think that wraps it up. I feel a lot better getting that off my chest about this loss oh, to Charlotte. <laughs> and hopefully, this weekend, we're talking about at least one win. We mentioned that Philadelphia and Toronto is no easy task, but who knows? We've seen the Nets bounce back, and they did just beat Denver on Sunday, which feels like a month ago. But uh, always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, to everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, OTGBasketball.com, Com, and Blue Wire Pods.